Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Quantum Heart Cafe. I know it's been a long time. It's been a, a couple of weeks, and I apologize for that. I was just really busy trying to finish everything for school. Um, I had a bunch of exam or a couple of major exams at the end of the during my last week, so I had to. I found it kind of tough to try and fit time into here as or fit time into doing the podcasts and studying at the same time just because with my program it was a pretty intense it's a pretty intense uh 10 weeks of schooling so they it's like um trying to drink water out of a fire hose that's what I describe it as and so everything was just kind of culminating in the last week of school and I also wasn't able to at the time, I didn't have a chance to completely finish reading the second part of Invisible Rain- of the Invisible Rainbow, Rainbow, sorry, by Arthur Furstenberg. And I don't like half-assing books or, you know, not practicing what I preach because I can sense that, and I think the audience, I think you guys can sense that as well. So I just decided that it would be better just to focus on finishing the last couple of weeks of schooling, and then I can come back and resume the show. And I think it worked out because I did, I was able to finish the last, uh, the second half of the Invisible Rainbow. And uh, the Invisible Rainbow is a great book. I, it's eye-opening, and I also argue that it's a very important book. I, to be honest, I preferred reading this book over. EMF'd, uh, which is the book I previously spoke about, about or which f- featured electromagnetic radiation. And now that I've had a chance to kind of reflect on that book and kind of compare it, well, I don't like comparing books because I think each book kind of, you know, kind of touches on, they both touch on EM, the effects of electromagnetic radiation. Um, I do really appreciate Arthur Furstenberg's, Furstenberg's book because he did an amazing job of chronicling, sorry, uh, chronicling the history of electromagnetic uh, radiation and how, as we have seen an increase in the use of electricity and wireless uh, radiation and and now the you know, the technocrats and the telecommunications companies they and the military they want to go and take us all the way up to 7G right now they're trying to roll out the 5G so we're going to be inundated with even more electromagnetic magnetic radiation unless we stand up and say no thank you um but before i get too further into that i do want to do uh, a little bit of a gratitude this today, and I'm going to say that I'm grateful for um, my family, and I'm grateful for my mom, and uh, she's just a wonderful person, and she's always been super supportive, and she just has a really kind heart, and um, so I feel grateful for that, and I feel grateful for the chance to be able to just read these books and to share the information with all of you and 
you know, it's just uh, this is a unique. I feel like this is a unique opportunity as it's nice to be able to have this podcast and just you know talk. And I mean, I don't really get a chance to talk to a lot of people about this because I don't think people are maybe. I don't think there's a lot of people that are aware of what's kind of going on with electromagnetic radiation and as well as the bigger picture of the fourth industrial revolution and transhumanism. And where these um, organizations and where this this system wants us to go, and I'll speak to more of that maybe near the end of the um, near the end of today's uh, show. But for now, I just want to be grateful. I'm just grateful for uh, my family. I'm grateful to this podcast because, in a way, it's like I don't want to say therapy. It's just it feels a little less. It's just like kind of getting something off my chest kind of thing or a, a nice way to kind of express what uh, what is on my mind, but then in an interesting way where I'm reading books and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of comparing what's happening with these, with the books I'm reading to what is going on in society and so on. So I just, I, I really enjoy that. So I'm, I'm really grateful for that. And tonight I'm drinking some nice decaf coffee. Um, it is a Whole Foods brand. Uh, it was given to me as a gift, so I'm not going to turn down the gift of uh, a nice bag of decaf coffee. Um, I do pr- prefer, you know, of course, local independent cafes. And when I have a chance to go out and try some, I still have some of the other coffee from uh, that I got from the coffee bar. And I will continue drinking that, but it's a bit late in the day, so I don't want to start drinking espresso or start drinking mild coffee at the at the late hour, just in case I, you know, have a hard time sleeping. So I figured I'd just go and I'd have a enjoy a nice decaf coffee today. Uh, so with that being with that all being said, I I wanted to talk about so last time. Uh, where I left off, it was the I finished reading the first part of the Invisible Rainbow. So now I'm I'm just gonna have a discussion about the second part of the Invisible Rainbow and what I learned as I was reading through those chapters. And I I don't know if I'll go in super into detail. There's some things that I've just kind of picked out that really stood out to me. And I'm going to talk about those, and I highly suggest I'm going to leave a link for the book in the description box, as well as a book. Um, Arthur Furstenberg has a organization. It's like the Cell Phone um, Task Network or something like that. So I, I'm getting it wrong. Hey, I'm just going to kind of I'm just going to quickly look this up. Hang on. So I found the I found the link to his website, and I think it's a few other uh, people are involved with it as well. And it's the Cellular Phone Task Force. So I'm going to leave a link into in the description box to his website as well, so you can follow up on what uh, he's been working on, as well as uh, some of the other people that I think are working alongside with him. And it's an important both the book and the website are important because they're. Not only is the book, I mean, it's very well written. I I had a hard time putting it down just because 
there's so much uh, detail and the way Arthur Furstenberg has presented the information, it's also a very, it's an excellent history book. Like if you ever, if you're interested in learning the history of electricity and how it went from just being, you know, a little bit of electricity captured into a jar into this big grid that we have now. And, you know, now the, you know, technocrats and stuff, they want to put in the smart grid and they want to kind of push us towards uh, smart cities where there's going to be embedded sensors all over the place. And what they're designed to do is to uh, track and gather data from all of us. Uh, And it's not just cell phones anymore. It's not just, or the cell phones are kind of, our smartphones are the foundation for that. And what's going to happen is that, I mean, we're already seeing it with smart appliances and smart, uh, like, and other smart devices like uh, the wearable technology, like smart watches and stuff like that. So you're starting to see some of it. We've already seen some of it already, but more and more of it is going to be, or they're going to try and more roll more of it out. So it's not just going to be a smart refrigerator. There's also smart toilets. I'm, I kid you not. Like they're toilets that take, you know, they <laughs> they gather data on our human waste. And the way that they plan on identifying each person is through taking a photo of our, our rear end because apparently, you know, our our dairy heirs are unique. They're as unique as a fingerprint. So I don't know how that's going to fly. I mean, that's a pretty huge breach of privacy. And quite frankly, I found it disgusting and disturbing that they want to do that, but they want to control everything with data. Uh, at least that you know that's their intention with all this. It's it'll be marketed as a convenience, but that at the heart of it is the data. And the reason they want the data is there's, um, I mean, this is a discussion for another podcast. But there's something called smart contracts and social impact bonds. So a lot of the hedge funds and a lot of financial institutions like Goldman Sachs are creating these uh, smart contracts and these social impact bonds because I mean we're in late stage capitalism right now so what's happened is that most of the markets have been exhausted right now so they have to come up with new markets and that's what the UN sustainability goals are that's not about those aren't about saving the planet I mean the people who have caused a problem in the first place are all of a sudden going to start, are all of a sudden going to solve it? Like, no, those goals and what they intend to do is business as usual. They're just going to have to, they're getting creative and they're packaging up these financial tools and these smart contracts to do that. And what that means is that, you know, housing was one of the biggest markets that the financial institutions had. Uh, and now that's, you know, we saw what happened in 2008, 2009 with the financial crisis and all the, the garbage bonds and the shorting and everything and the, uh, speculation, like it was pretty rampant and we saw what happened. A lot of people lost their homes, they were foreclosed on and it was regular people that paid the price. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't like the average or sorry, it wasn't like the the super rich. 
maybe you had a couple of fall people, but for the most part, they just kind of kept going. And now the next biggest market is us. It's individual human beings. And so the together, they're going to use data to kind of short and make bets on us and the, and the decisions and the life that we create or it won't even be created for ourselves. The path that we choose to go down, it'll be like, um, like Alison McDowell said, it'll be kind of like a Pokemon go society where we have these objectives and these tasks that we have to complete in both the metaverse and this augmented reality world that they're going to try and push us all into. And they'll bet, they'll make bets if we complete those tasks or not. And that's anyway. So I, like I said, that's a kind of a discussion for another time, but the, just to bring it back home to, and just to relate that back to the invisible rainbow, all those devices and all those uh, nanobots and so on, they need the 5g and the 6g to run on it. I'm not sure why they need the 7g, but the 5 and 6G for sure. The 5G will enable devices to talk to each other and gather data. And I believe the 6G is going to be able to enable like the really, really small stuff, like the nano nanobots. Nanobots are real, folks. Like it's not, this isn't a conspiracy theory. All you have to do is look at what MIT is doing, <clears throat> look at what Rice University is doing, Stanford, all these uh, institutions, and just have a look. They're not, it's not hidden. It's all out in the open. So you can go and you can check and see what the research that they're doing. Uh, research, you know, when you have a chance, Google the Internet of Bodies. Google the Internet of Things, if you don't know what that is. Uh, Google the Internet of, like, plants and the Internet of other living beings because it's not just they don't just want data from human beings they want data from everything so they have no intentions of stopping which is what my main point is and so if we're not careful if we don't stand up and put it you know and say no this is enough we don't need anymore we're going to be inundated with even more electromagnetic uh, magnetic frequency and so at the heart of that, uh, what I got from the book is that, you know, we are living longer right now. Like human beings are, we do have longer lifespans now, but we're sicker. We're a lot more sicker than what we were or what our ancestors were like a hundred years ago when electricity was in its infancy and they still did get sick. Like they still had consequences from electromagnetic magnetic exposure but it wasn't what it is now. Like it's everywhere, and pretty soon, even if you're living out in a homestead in a remote area, you'll be you'll be inundated with it too. Because what's happening is that these companies like SpaceX and Amazon and so on are sending satellites up into the sky, and their intention is to beam down 5G on the entire planet. So there won't be any escape from it. Even if you had, uh, like I said, even if you have a homestead, which isn't bad. I mean, I would love to have a homestead. That'd be great. Uh, but it, even if you had a homestead or you have, you know, you're living off the land, maybe you're living in a, a rural area away from the city. So you're not 
as um, provided as long as you're not living next to uh, like transmission lines or you're not living next to a Wi-Fi tower because that's also dangerous. Like even if you're living out of the city in a rural town or something, if you are surrounded and inundated by Wi-Fi towers and transmission lines, you're also getting exposing yourself to uh, electromagnetic radiation just as people are exposed to it in the cities. So, you know, be very careful with that. If you see that the telecommunications companies wants to put these towers and these, uh, especially Wi-Fi towers in your communities, I would go to the you know, municipalities and your school boards and fight it because the, those things, um, one of the things in the second half of the book is that, that Arthur Furstenberg talked about was the rise in cancer. So the second half of the book, he, uh, in the second half of the book, Arthur Furstenberg really focuses on the different, um, what do you say, the different diseases that, have you ever heard of this term, the diseases of Western civilizations or something like that, like the, you know, the modern diseases of Western civilization or, um, it's a term, sometimes I've heard it, I don't watch the news anymore, but when I did, I sometimes would hear this on the news or hear that term on the news and and what that is like you know the rises the rise in heart disease the rise in diabetes the rise in cancers the rise in hearing problems uh the rise in all these other ailments that our ancestors didn't have didn't really have because they didn't have electricity and and most of the time you know the news and the mainstream media will attribute these, um, they will blame lifestyles on the rise of these diseases instead of looking at environmental factors like electromagnetic radiation. And what Arthur Furstenberg did was looked at the, looked at the environmental factor of the rise of, electro, of electricity, especially the rise of microwave radiation the rise of radar radiation, the rise, or sorry, radar, the rise of cell phone usage and cell towers, the rise of Wi-Fi, and he compared it with health data. So he would look at, um, in one chapter, he spoke about heart disease, and he took data from, um, he, he gathered data, and he he analyzed it, and he found that heart disease was also on had or the the number the amount or the number of heart disease he found rose significantly with the amount of electromagnetic magnetic radiation in the environment. So uh, rural r- rural communities that didn't have a lot of electricity had very little heart disease. Like they didn't have like there were some uh, cases of heart disease, but it was considered pretty rare. And it was only when those uh, rural communities got electrified that he saw, or he saw the uh, the rise of heart of heart disease in those areas because he looked at that data because he figured that it would be a good uh, comparison because you know rural commu- rural communities were the, some of the last communities to be uh, electric 
electrified versus like the big cities. So he was able to, so he did that with a few other uh, very common diseases in Western civilization is because you could get, you could get a, a better comparison than by just like focusing on cities. Um, so he did that and he, yeah, and he found that as the world became more electric, we saw a rise in heart disease. And it, it was, I mean, one of the reasons why is just because we're, our heart isn't getting enough oxygen because the electromagnetic radiation interferes, is interfering with that, is interfering with our heart's ability to do its job. So it's a pretty, it was a pretty eye-opening chapter. And because most of the time when you hear is heart disease, it's because, you know, the, uh, the mainstream media and health professionals will attribute that to lifestyle. And it does, lifestyle does play a role, but it's not as significant or as, as it'll, it, like, it, by itself, lifestyle change doesn't, isn't enough to account for the big rise in, uh, the dramatic rise in heart disease. Whereas when you, you, you take lifestyle and you take the electrification of the world and you put them together, then it makes sense that you, we're, we're starting to see a lot more heart diseases, not just in, um, elderly people is in younger people too. So yes, having a healthy lifestyle, it helps, like it's not, it's not, um, a waste of time or anything like that to eat healthy food and to exercise. But what do you do when your environment is toxic? Like, what do you, what, like, what, how, how is anyone supposed to have a healthy lifestyle in this society? If you're surrounded by electromagnetic radiation, if we're, uh, having to battle these agri-corporations, which put out genetically modified seeds and genetically modified food and, and I'm not just mean like the processed food but you know the, the fruits and veggies that we get at the store uh the seeds like even if you're trying to plant your own gardens and stuff like you really have to do your research and figure out where those seeds are coming from is it an agribusiness or is it a, is it independent farmers that you're getting your seeds from is it you know it, it takes a lot of effort to try and, and it's well-meaning effort. Like, I'm not saying that, that those things are good. What I'm saying is that it's, you know, oftentimes our environment is neglected on purpose. Like, the there's more, like, and not only that, but all the crap that they're spraying in the skies, and it, those are not, like, I've seen contrails. I've worked in steam, uh, in a steam plant before, and I've seen what steam does and yes, uh, steam does rise, you know, coming out of a chimney or out of a jet, you will have like a trail of steam coming out, especially like it looks like a white cloud and it, and it comes out from the, uh, the, either the stacks in a factory or from, uh, the jet. But after a certain, uh, or a certain amount of feet, it'll disappear. Like it just kind of evaporates and I don't know if evaporates is the right word, but it disappears into the atmosphere. You don't see it. Um, the stuff that's coming out of the back of jets, 
I see I see it in the skies and it's like crisscrossed and, and a pattern and uh, you know I mean at first I didn't really you know I didn't really pay much mind to what was going on in the skies but now that I'm learning more about how our, our environment has changed so much and how you know it's I I really do think there's a lot of legitimacy to uh, what they talk, you know, what's going on in the skies, it's really important to pay attention to our skies, like, both during, at night and during the day, because uh, there's a lot going up there, and it's easy to kind of neglect, it's easy to kind of gloss over it, because we're not, you know, always looking up, but, you know, look up, <laughs> you know, pay attention to what's going on in your skies, and ask yourself, is that normal? Um I don't know. I think that there's some funny business going up there and and even if there isn't, like there's still pollution, there's still a bunch of stuff flying around the air anyway. So unless you have your food, if you're growing your own food, unless you have it covered by a greenhouse, your fruits and veggies are also being contaminated by what is in the sky. Even if you're not like spraying them with pesticides or anything like that, they're contaminated. So you have to make sure, really make sure that you wash them and clean them. And, and the soil's contaminated. And what 5G and what wireless uh, communication, Arthur Furstenberg goes over this near the the end of his the last couple of chapters of his book. Arthur Furstenberg dedicates that to talking about how Wi-Fi is also affecting other living beings too it's not just human beings and one of the something that really stood out to me because I I, I like trees I started um, getting to know my Irish ancestry and getting to know the druid spirituality and learning more about trees and about the tree lore and how just how wonderful and beautiful trees are and what's happening is that the electromagnetic radiation from the skies and the electromagnetic radiation from the cell, to cell towers, from uh, radar towers, from microwave towers, if they, if trees are in a direct line of a radar station or a direct, li direct line of a, a cell phone tower or any of that, and, and if those trees are being bombarded, by electromagnetic radiation, what happens is that they start to get sick, and and the soil and the ground starts to acidify. And you know, in the news, you you know, you hear a lot of people blaming that on acid rain. And I'm not saying that acid rain isn't real or a problem. What I'm saying is that there's more to it than just acid rain. And there are places where the soil is acidifying. But there's no acid rain happening. So it's just like, well, why? Well, in the book, Arthur Furstenberg um, explores the scenarios where uh, a, a radar station or a cell tower were, was in the area and it was causing the soil to become acidic. So there's too much hydrogen in the soil due to electrolysis from the electromagnetic radiation. I, d I don't know too much about the chemical uh, reaction, like what was going, like too, too many details of what was going on, but there was, it was causing, the radiation was causing electrolysis in the soil, and I was creating too much oxygen 
So the soil was becoming too acidic and nothing was able to grow and the trees were dying. And what happened when those electro, when the radar stations were removed, uh, when the south phone towers were taken down, when the radio towers were taken down, that area, those trees, their health came back. They were, they were able to rejuvenate. And so that tells you something that these <clears throat> technologies, which, I mean, radar stations are mostly military technology. Like, I don't, I don't know any other civilians or individuals to have their own personal radar stations. I, I don't even know what you would use them for, you know? Like, that's a that's a military uh, application. It's nothing civilian at all. So, and I, you know, like, a lot of this is military technology. And, and yes, there are some benefits. I get it. There's some benefits from these technologies. But like I said, in my previous station, or sorry, previous show, are they worth the cost? Like for the convenience of a cell phone, is it worth risking cancer in your hand? Or is it worth risking cancer in your head? Because that's another thing that in the second half of his book, Arthur Furstenberg uh, dedicates a chapter to cancer. And what's happening, because, because our cells are being uh, starved of oxygen, because remember... And Arthur Furstenberg brought it up again in his book how uh, electromagnetic radiation interferes with mitochondria. Uh, the mito- what happens is that the mitochondria aren't able to produce, and our bodies aren't able to do, produce the proper energy that we need. And our cells, so our cells, cells are being starved of nutrient, nutrients and they're being starved of oxygen. And... And it, and, it, and again, it kind of, it's weird, like it ties back to the book that I, one of the first books I started reading here on this podcast, uh, A Wind in the Door by um, Madeline Ingold, the second book in the uh, Wrinkle in Time series, where <clears throat> the whole premise of the book was that Charles Wallace's mitochondria were under attack. And in the book, I mean, it, Charles Wallace was tired, he was lethargic, he couldn't even walk up a hill, and he was getting sicker. And it was the, the you know, in the book, it was the ekthros that were uh, de- destroying his mitochondria, along with mitochondria of other people. But, you know, I wonder if the ekthros in a, a wind in the door was, uh, I wonder if, that was like a metaphor for electromagnetic radi- radiation. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure. But it's interesting how there's an overlap and how you know our mitochondria, because our mitochondria are being starved of um, important oxygen, and because and as a result we're being starved of energy, and we're being starved of uh, nutrients. And so what that's doing is it's creating an ana. I think he called it an anaerobic condition in our body, which enables the growth of uh, cancer, of cancer cells. And so he talks about how, you know, if people are living close to uh, electrical power lines or if people are living close to uh, Wi-Fi towers or cell towers, they're being irradiated. Like, and a lot of them are starting to develop 
cancers and they're starting to develop behavioral issues and heart disease and uh, also diabetes because what another really interesting chapter uh, I read and I'll get to a minute because I want to finish off with the cancer but um, there is a relationship between the rise of diabetes and the rise of electricity and again it has to go back to the mitochondria Uh, but before I continue with that I'm just going to wrap up with uh, cancer so uh, another thing was when people were uh, using their cell phone and they had it close to their hands or close to their body they would start to after a while they would start to develop a tumor in their hand or a tumor in their or a brain tumor by holding up to the head too too long or uh, for ladies like if, if you have a cell phone on your purse on you <clears throat> please do not like leave it close to your chest because uh, what we, what uh, he was find or what the data he was finding in his research is that when ladies you know when we when we put the cell phone in our bras or in our uh, shirt pockets or something uh, the area where you put it you could develop a tumor in that spot and maybe that's one of the reasons why we're seeing a rise in breast cancer so. You know, if you have to have your phone on you, just leave it in your bag. Have it in your backpack. Don't carry it in your on your person. Similar to the lower, you know, area, especially with our uh, near our waistline, where our reproductive organs are, because there's also for the men, you know, there is a rise in prostate cancer and testicular cancer because, you know, if you have your cell phone or your smartphone uh, on your clipped to your belt or in your pocket, that area is being irradiated. So, you know, there's a chance to, you have a risk of developing a tumor in that spot. And the radiation from the phone is also affecting uh, the reproductive organs. So, you know, there's some fertility issues as well. And so maybe, you know, I, I have heard that there is a rise of, Uh, infertility among couples that it's hard to conceive children and again it could be you know the mainstream media is always just like oh it's just stress or oh it's food and lifestyle and well no what if there are environmental factors that are making it hard for people to have families now what if it's the electromagnetic radiation what if it's all the chemicals and crap in our food and in the environment that we're breathing all the time there the environment plays a big role I know we don't like to admit that sometimes, but the environment has an important, crucial role in how we develop and how we uh, become healthy human beings. And that kind of goes to the spiritual principle of as above, so below. The macro, the relationship between the macro world and the micro world. And if our macro world is sick, if we're surrounded by toxins and radiation all the time we're going to get sick it's just a matter of time there's a relationship we the world we are part of the world just as much as the world is a part of us and so it's you know what's happening around us is important our our the the quality of our drinking water the quality of our our air our our food and so on it's all it all connects it's all interconnected it's not 
there's no real isolation from it. That that's the isolation is just a it's really just an illusion. Uh, so and with that being said, with the diabetes, uh, with the rise of diabetes again, because uh, and it go this kind of goes back to the mitochondria because our mitochondria are having a hard time metabolizing our food, like metabolite, metabolizing fats and carbohydrates. Um, I think I could be getting this wrong, so I apologize. There's too much, like it creates too much glucose in our body, more glucose than what we can handle. And that's causing diabetes in people. And it's not even in people who are maybe older or people who are, you know, you consider, considered overweight. I mean, that's a risk. It is a risk. It does increase the risk of having diabetes if our diets are poor. But that's not the only reason. It's also electromagnetic radiation is interfering with our mitochondria's ability to metabolize food. And if we can't metabolize it properly, then our system is overwhelmed with too much glucose and too much uh, lipids, uh, which is what is left over from fats. And so they're depositing on our wall, our coronary walls, and on our, our blood vessels and stuff. I don't know if it's actually the blood vessels, like our arteries. And so we're getting more clots. And so you're starting to also see more strokes and more heart attacks. So it, it all... Uh, it, it all it all kind of blends in together because our bodies, like we're not just one organ or we're not just one set of blood vessels or one set of arteries. Like our, our body is this this beautiful and intricate system. And when one area is sick, another area is sick. And so and when our environment's sick, our bodies are more prone to get sick. And so I think understanding that, like this whole book has made me really think about studying biology, thinking about studying psychology, and uh, bringing back, marrying back the electrical world and the biological world. Because what Arthur Furstenberg uh, spoke about in his book were one of the biggest mistakes we made back in the 18th century was when uh, Western science divorced uh, the living body from electricity and just viewed electricity as this inert material thing that has no consequence instead of this living energy that when used improperly can make us sick. Um, I mean, there are benefits to electricity. I'm not saying that there isn't. And there is ways to safely use. There can be ways, I'm sure, to safely use electricity. I think you know, if we want to be serious about this, like cutting down on the amount of electricity we use is going to become necessary. And we absolutely cannot embrace 5G, 6G, and 7G. Like that's got to be, that stuff, that technology has got to go the way of the dodo bird. Because I'm just like, if they, like if it's bad now, like we also have, Arthur Furstenberg also talked about how this um, with our with our dysfunctional mitochondria, there's also an increase. We're also seeing an increase in anxiety disorders and fatigue. 
uh, among people and usually this is attributed to a psychological or a mental illness it's not looked at as a neurological disease where the environment is having a, a is playing a role in the increase of, of these uh, disorders it's all like you know oh you're stressed out or you're it's trauma from your past and I'm not saying those things don't play a role but what I'm saying is that it I find it very uh, it's like the canary in the coal mine where you know you see in Western society right now there is a huge rise of depression and anxiety and you know behavioral issues ADHD there's a rise in neurological diseases like Parkinson's disease and uh, Alzheimer's and it's not just in people in their 50s and 60s it's rising in people in their uh, 20s and 30s I mean I was just on the bus this this morning and I noticed um, I mean I've noticed this for a little while but I'm not on my phone as much as I used to be anymore so I've noticed that in young people in teenagers and 20 year olds like hunchbacks because they're they our net when we're looking down on our phone our, our necks are you know our necks are in a position that they're not meant to be and we're kind of like hunched over and over our phones and that's what's this doing what that's doing to our posture like the only time I used to see people that were hunched back like that were elderly people and that looks so painful like I I can't even imagine like they couldn't walk properly like you know like that looked uncomfortable and I'm, I'm seeing hunchbacks just observation more and more hunchbacks around me because uh, the post our posture has been being screwed up by being you know sitting in front of a computer all day or looking down at our phone all day you know like I, I would really consider taking putting strict boundaries around electricity I'm doing that like it's a habit so for me I know this is a habit that I need to unlearn, you know, start to spend less time on my tech. You know, I've already gotten kind of, I feel like I'm getting better at not being on my phone so much and reading books or just, you know, just not being around it very often and, and just leaving it in my Faraday bag and so on. But I know I have a, a long ways to go to getting getting away from using so much electricity and using so much especially wireless technology and I won't be you know buying smart devices I won't be doing any of that stuff and finding organizations in my own local community who are pushing back against 5g because that's my big worry is you know with the rollout of 5g and 6g especially with it being beamed down on us from space like how that's the health effects of that how we're going to get so sick from being exposed to all that electromagnetic radiation and there's no break and it can i think with 4g it has a hard time piercing walls so like right now if you were to electrically seal your house and make that safe let's say you know you ground everything you have filters in your home um you know, you figure out where you get the some meters, some electromagnetic meters and RF meters, and you're able to kind of 
find the magnetic, if there's any kind of magnetic radiation in your home and so on, and you're able to like <clears throat> make your home as EMF free as you can, um, with 5G and with 6G, it'll be able to go right through the wall. Then you won't be able to shield your home as easily against that as you can with 5G. But then the problem is, like, as soon as you leave your home, you're being exposed to it anyway. So the, the only way that I see, really, like, the, the way forward that I see is to reduce the amount of time and just the amount of electricity that we depend on. Especially wireless radiation from our, from our cell phones and from all these like gadgets that we really don't need. And the problem with transhumanism is that they're going to want to try and push all this onto, onto all of us, right? So right now it's still a choice if you want to buy uh, smart meters or if you want to buy um, smart thermostats and so on. But eventually, like, if we're not careful, we're going to lose that choice. And what I've learned about uh, smart meters, this isn't in the book, by the way, about smart meters, but what I've learned about smart meters, too, and this should make people, you know, maybe sit up a little bit, is that the utility companies, through the smart meters, uh, can control how much electricity you have in your home. So you don't even get, like... They can say, oh, we're going to reduce the amount of electricity you have access to because last month you used too much. So this month we're going to reduce, even if you didn't, you know, or like, let's say it's a air quote peak demand hour. You know, everyone's using their washing machine, washing machines at the same time. And they'll say, oh, to save electricity and to be efficient, uh, we're going to like turn your light off just because everyone else is using the fucking dishwasher okay and part of my language sometimes i will drop an f-bomb i'll try not to cuss too much though um but you get the message right like oh you know you you, you, you used up too much electricity or bad light bulbs or something you know stupid like that like well we're just gonna come in and like shut your lights off you'll be in the dark for a while but don't worry tomorrow morning you can use your dishwasher again you know like they could do that through a smart meter. They can monitor how much you're using and either charge you accordingly or and and reduce the amount of electricity. Like you have no like there's no freedom with that. You're being managed by artificial right now it's a person, but eventually it'll be a if they get their way, eventually it'd be a computer algorithm. So is that what you really want? I don't know. Maybe, you know, pause and think for a minute. And, and like I said, it's also, you know, it's not just us that are at risk from these electromagnetic frequencies. It's bees. Like, uh, we've all heard of colony collapse. And, you know, these so-called experts on the mainstream media, they'll blame it on a disease or they'll blame it on, like, uh, they, they'll blame it on something other than electromagnetic radiation from Wi-Fi and cell phone towers and so on. Like, it's the cell phone towers and the wireless radiation that is interfering with bees' ability to find, I guess, they're having a hard time navigating home, 
to their home. And then when, when their hive, when their beehives are too close to a Wi-Fi tower or to an antenna or anything like that, they will abandon it. Like they can't stay there. They'll, they'll abandon the nest and they'll go somewhere else, which is why some beekeepers like, you know, one minute they have all their bees and the next minute they go to their hive and they're all gone. And they're like, what the heck? What happened? Like where, where did all my bees go? And it could be that the bees were being exposed to electromagnetic radiation and they moved somewhere else or they got lost or something like it wasn't or their immune systems became so weak that they couldn't uh, fend off the the mites and the disease that is being blamed for colony collapse. The mites and the disease, just like with us, it's a symptom, it's not a cause. That it's a it's a wider symptom that is telling us that our environment there's something very wrong with our environment. It's kind of like if you ever had a garden or, or you've ever maybe volunteered in a community garden or anything like that. And you, you go to your a patch in your garden and maybe you notice that the broccoli are covered in aphids or there's all these pests in one area of your um, garden and and you're like, oh, what, you know, what's going on kind of thing. And but it, it's the pests aren't the cause of the pro, like they're not the cause, they're a symptom of something else that's going on in the garden. And. You know, even if you were to spray your plants and get rid of the pests, eventually the, the pests will just come back because you, like the underlying uh, cause of what is making the plant sick hasn't been dealt with yet. And pests will pick up on it and they'll eat the plant because that's what they do. And you'll get an infestation. It's the same with us. It's the same with all other living beings. If we're sick, that's a symptom of something, Right? If you see that there's a rise in heart disease and a rise in cancers and a rise in ADHD, especially in children, when there wasn't, when that really wasn't an issue 50 or 60 years ago, you know, that tells me that there's something wrong with our environment. And now they want to, like I said, they want, they want the biggest population that these financial institutions and uh, technology institutions want are children. They want the data from kids because they want the kids to build build out this weird planetary robot that they want to create because kids are creative and they want to harness children's creative energy to build this this weird metaverse thing that they want to put us, put us all in. Like They're not really interested in us as adults. They just want kids. And also from a propagandist point of view, if you can, you know, brainwash kids into thinking that being on the computer twenty four seven and having a pair wearing a pair of Oculus Rift goggles, which are irradiated by the way, so not only not only are they is their creative energy and their spirit being harnessed to for nefarious reasons, they're also being irradiated. So, you know, they'd be at risk for tumors and ADHD and all sorts of neurological problems because of these stupid goggles. And because people in these positions of so-called authority, 
think it's okay to, you know, to do this. They don't have an issue with it. And it's not just the people, you know, over in Davos. Like, there's people like this in our own communities that are people in the school boards and so on that are approving this technology and approving of kids being uh, exposed to these sensors and exposed to 5G and exposed to wireless uh, radiation. And then you wonder why there's a rise in ADHD and a rise in childhood leukemia and lymphoma. And it's because they're being exposed to these dangerous radiation. And, you know, the adults were, what are we doing? Why are we allowing this? Why? Because we want to have some conveniences with our smartphones who are willing to risk the health of the next generation for it? Come on, man. We got to wake up here. We got to take some responsibility. And this is where I'm going to kind of leave off. And this is where even our, and in his book, Arthur Furstenberg uh, leaves off. Because as adults, we got to make better decisions than this. And it may mean making some tough decisions and some sacrifices of convenience. Otherwise, it's the health of our kids. Like anyone who was born before 19, uh, say 1989, maybe early 1990s, we are the last generation that knows what it's like to go play outside. You know, before outside got weird with all these weirdos snatching kids and stuff, but we're the last generation that knows what it's like to go and hike in a garden and to go and, and be with the land. And granted, maybe there's some kids out there that, you know, they, they got good parents and they have families and they're exposed to the land and exposed to, um, you know, learning to take, you know, or having connections with the land, having connections with the real world, like, all the kids growing up from, like, I'd say maybe the mid-90s to now, they have had a cell phone or a computer with them ever since they've been little toddlers. And what's that doing to them? How much radiation have their little bodies being exposed to? And are they going to have uh, neuro... I mean, they already have neurological problems. Look at the universities. And maybe this is one of the reasons why, like, the kids... And the universities are kind of bonkers. And maybe it isn't just because they've been, you know, inundated with some weird, um, you know, propaganda and stuff like that. Maybe it's also because their brains are freaking fried from all the electromagnetic radiation they've been exposed to. So if we want things to change, I mean, we don't have to go down this road. And that's what I'm saying. That's why... I make, you know, I read these books and I'm putting together these shows because we could choose another way. There's another way to be in the world. And I have heard of wonderful stories of when kids are learning to connect, reconnect with the world around them and reconnect with nature that they don't want to be with all this technology anymore. They want to, they'd rather be uh, going for a hike or, or fishing or you know, they'd rather be maybe hunting or maybe they'd rather be out there and and not as some weird, stupid Pokemon Go garbage world where they're, everything they do is tracked on a ledger, right? That's another, that's a whole other thing too, the blockchain. Um, you know, but they're, you know, kids are able to be creative without having 
some artificial intelligence nanny looking over their shoulders like they I think there is a I don't think they're aware of it but I think there is a yearning within kids to connect and to connect with the world around them and to connect with uh, the people and to connect with the trees and connect with bees and so on like there's a lot of loneliness in the younger generations and I think as adults we can make a difference our kids need us like they need us humanity needs us if you're listening to this there's a reason why you're listening to this it's because the world needs you to say something you know you don't have to go out unless you want to you don't have to go out into like this mass mass protests or anything like that you know just start having these conversations with people because that's the thing they don't have a narrative around this yet they have a narrative around the health freedom they do have a narrative around the great reset too and i I know i've spoken about the great reset but alison mcdowell has also you know she's very good she's also pointed out that like this narrative has already been kind of captured as well so, but they don't have a narrative around electromagnetic frequency. And I find that, like, when I talk to people who, you know, we may have a strong disagreement about health freedom. You know, there's some people in my family that aren't really, you know, it's hard to talk to them about health freedom. But when I talk to them about electromagnetic radiation and I talk to them about the dangers of salt, they listen. We're able to actually have a conversation about that. <laughs> so that narrative hasn't been captured yet. And so if you hear this, you know, start doing your own research. I highly recommend, again, I'll have the link to the book um, in the description box so you can pick up a copy for yourself. And I highly recommend reading this book. It's an amazing book, and I think it's a good reference book. And it's also made me think about studying biology and studying chemistry and studying physics because I don't think I... I was listening to a talk by Alana Freeland and um, and she wrote a book called Geoengineering um, or he, she wrote a book about geoengineering and transhumanism. And, you know, she was doing a presentation and she was saying that, you know, you can't have your head in this... I'm kind of paraphrasing, but... She was talking about how it, how important it is to learn science. Even if you, you were not a very strong science person in high school, like learn it because we keep leaving it to the experts. And the experts are, by and large, I mean, not all of them. There's some really great people, scientists and wonderful engineers out there that are also trying to get the information out about, you know, the dangers of Wi-Fi and, you know, GMOs and so on. Um, but the experts we see on the mainstream media, they're usually bought out by corporations anyway. And so by arming ourselves with knowledge, the knowledge about how our bodies work, knowledge about like physics and the world around us, like not only is it fascinating in of itself, like the invisible rainbow was fascinating just because I learned so much more about my own body too. And so it kind of made me curious and made me want to learn more like I and then that way too like if I hear an expert talking about mitochondria and that oh they're fine I'm like no they're not liar (laughs) so 
You'll learn the science. Get curious about the world around you. Grab a microscope. <laughs> you know, like, get a telescope. I think I'm going to get a telescope and start studying the stars. Like, you can't leave it to the in the hands of these psychopaths, right? Like, you know, get connected and start being curious about what's going on around you and start having these conversations. I think we'd be surprised at how receptive people are uh, to hearing this. So anyway, I'm going to leave it at that. Um, I Again, I highly recommend reading Invisible Rainbow. It's a great book. And I think for next week, now speaking about connection, I kind of want to uh, shift gears a little bit from uh, electromagnetic frequency towards connection and towards maybe um, there's a book I'm reading about uh, actually no I don't want to review that one I'm going to read I have it on my bookshelf and I've been meaning to to read it and I just hadn't gotten around to it until now I'm going to read uh, Robin Wall Kimmer's book uh, Braiding Sweetgrass I've been looking forward to that, and it's a book about right relations with the world, and I think that's really important. I think how we connect with nature and how we connect with each other, especially at this time, very important. So I'm going to read that book and then share my thoughts with uh, and what I learned next uh, with you all next week. And again, if I don't get a chance to finish the whole book by next Sunday... I'll do what I did like this, and I'll, I'll split it up into two. But I think it's a bit of a shorter read, so I, I should be able to finish the book uh, by this Sunday. Or, sorry, next Sunday, next coming Sunday. So thank you all for tuning in tonight, and thank you all for coming down to the cafe. I hope you learned, uh, learned something. I hope this uh, stimulated your curiosity, and you'll check out the book. You'll check out more of Arthur Furstenberg's work, and uh, just get curious about the world around you. So I wish everyone a good night and I wish everyone a wonderful and uh, gifted, lots of gifts, lots of blessings this, blessings this week. And we could do this. We can reverse what's going on and find another way. All right. Take care. Ciao.